Welcome to the Mad Pastors Podcast, the honest podcast for honest pastors, powered by G6 Allies, because everybody needs an ally. Welcome back to the Mad Pastors Podcast. I hope that you guys are doing well on this possibly cold day, depending on where you are in the world, because we're international. But I'm Ian. And I'm John. And we're just glad that you're back and connecting with us. This has uh, been a crazy ride the last few episodes with you, John. Have you enjoyed yourself? I have enjoyed myself, and I am still Rona free. So that is uh, <laughs> two two out of the three of us are good. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. Listen, if we could just bat at sixty percent, we'd be great. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> this is well. This is John's uh, last, at least this this stint last time as our co-host. And so Michael will be back next week. And was so it something John, I said? Well, yeah. uh, it's, uh, we can't talk about I that. I triggered you. That's okay. Yeah, I'm very triggered. Um, <laughs> but uh, wow. I'm the one that usually pulls the trigger, but uh, all that to say it's been, man, it's been great having you. I'm excited to round up. This episode has been one. I said, you know, John, what, what is it that you really think that we should talk about as a pastor? And because we had kind of planned several of these episodes out already, and so, man, this is exciting for you to take most of the reins on this and yeah, of the subject. And so thanks for doing that. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. I think it honestly just, you know, you and I text uh, quite often. I mean, mm-hmm. almost almost every day. And, you yeah. know, you, you told me earlier, you know, you can tell if I am constantly texting in in gift language, uh, <laughs> yep. then I'm doing pretty well. But if I'm getting short, then I've got some things going on. And you know, we just, we just had an honest conversation last night and, mm. you know, you're like, uh, you know, what's going on with you? And I'm like, I just, just fed up, man, just fed up. And so we decided yeah. today uh, that we would talk about burnout and Oof. specifically as it relates to uh, just how burnout has been exacerbated in the pandemic that uh, is COVID-19. Ah, uh, the pandemic burnout, you know, yep. Groucho Marx is one of my favorite quotable people said, look at me. I worked my way up from nothing to a state of extreme poverty. And I think, I think that that summarizes how a lot of us feel as pastors right now. Like before this, there was before COVID and a pandemic and all of this, there was a, there was a need, a huge need for G6. That's why we existed before that. But it seems even more timely now. Like we've, we've gone from extreme, you know, we've gone from nothing to extreme poverty. And yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, gosh, just from everything from, from civil issues and from cultural issues to money issues to attendance and church. I mean, it is amazing to think not only that God is in control of everything, but how fast things can change. And, and it does a lot, yeah. I think, to it, it stresses us out, but it should do more to clarify who we are and to comfort us in, in our mission and our goal. And so, yeah, that's where we're at today and what we're talking about. So it's, you know, it's not necessarily a, a burnout is for sure not a pandemic issue, but it is for sure exacerbated, like you said, in a pandemic. And so let's yeah. just. I mean, we want to have an honest conversation. I think you and I, when we were texting last night, it was uh, it was a lot about, you know, both of us were just airing out what discourages us, what makes yeah. us feel defeated. And I think a lot of pastors are there. But before, if you're listening, before you go, Ugh, I can't take this. I'd rather go listen to CNN or Fox, and which are I would not recommend. Um, but I would say hold on with us 
because there's a lot more encouraging about what we're going to talk about. This is not yeah. a doom and gloom. This is not a, don't worry. The end is nigh. revelation. You know, we're not going to throw that out. Um, we are, we, we just want to talk really frankly and honestly and openly about uh, the struggles that pastors are going through. Cause we are pastors. We, yeah. we smoke what we sell. And so, yeah. And I think too, you know, one of the things that drew me to when we, you and Michael were talking to me about the podcast was, yeah, we're, we're going to have honest conversations that other pastors wish they could have. Yeah. And you know, this is one of those things. And so, yeah, there's going to be some, some things that I think one, we want to talk about the stuff that's getting us down because we know we're not alone. And the only reason we know that we're not alone is because I have Ian to talk to. And so uh, we want you to know as you're sitting out there listening right now that, man, you're not alone in this and it's okay. It's all right. And uh, there's a, there's a way through. And so we're going to take a look today. We're going to look at some of the things that that we would tell you to do. And then we're also going to look at some of the things that scripture tells us to do and and pull off some cues from there. And so anytime we get to open God's word, uh, there's going to be some hope. And so Mm -hmm. just, just trust that there is scripture coming. That's going to absolutely build us up and, and hopefully give us some encouragement to move forward. I don't own a Bible, John. Can I borrow yours? You can get on the Bible app on your phone. Oh, I see how and, it is. And download the uh, Hawaiian Pigeon version. Oh, I've never heard that, but now oh, I want to go. You, hey, <laughs> go right now. Right now, download, pause the, pause the podcast, download the Bible app, and get the Hawaiian Pigeon oh, gosh. version. All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> From the Hawaiian Pigeon version. Uh, John, why don't you start us out on something that is going to make people's lives change? (laughs) Well, all I'm saying, this is the last thing I'll say about it, is Revelation is entitled, What, spelled W-A-T, Jesus Show John. Oh. (laughs) Oh. And it's real. It's real. It's a real thing. Could they call it the lime and the coconut version? Shake it all up. That's all I'm saying. The HPB, baby. It's it's actually a real translation, but that's... Anyway, uh, another like podcast Creole. another day. Okay. So, okay. Except Samoan. Samoan Creole. I guess. Oh, Samoan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that uh, makes more sense. Yeah. Well, so honest conversations. What are, I mean, we think about, you know, you think about the pandemic and the things that have happened there. Um, but like, let's just, let's just take an inventory of some of the stuff that's been going on this yeah. whole year. You know, there's, there's culture, the cultural climate. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got, you've got fear mongering politics on both sides. Yep. You've got Christian nationalism has infiltrated the church, which uh, unfortunately just leads people to either being extremely angry about the wrong things or total apathy. Yep. You've got social justice, which um, critical race theory, intersectionality, which, People are trying to shove down your throat and replace the gospel with it. And uh, it's really antithetical to the gospel. It's not the gospel. Uh, everyone has developed TikTok attention spans during this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Where if we it just wasn't bad know, enough before. Yeah. We just want to want to know what's next. And those are just some realities of our climate. And so with that, I think, I guess what I was telling you earlier is I think it's more like, we've got a lot of sheep that have wandered into other fields and they're hiding amongst cultural flocks and they don't even realize it. That's yeah. A hundred percent. You and, know, well, and you know, you look at what, what I struggle with and what I see it's, it's like you said, it's not even our, our church has been going through. Uh, so G six churches, 
connected to G6 allies. So that that's why we want to be, I think so many organizations, you see these guys that they don't, they maybe attend church, but they don't, they have no clue what's really going on. And then they, because they start a career and telling you what to do. And yeah. so we don't want to be those kind of people. And plus we're just vocationally, we're called to be pastors. And so one, one particular book of the Bible um, that we've been, we've been going through and we're four weeks into a six week series is Esther, the book of Esther. And the reason that we're there and the reason that we felt called to do that is, is uh, you know, I thought as we're looking at this culture and what we're doing, you know, the word God and God by name is never mentioned in the book of Esther. And that's probably, and that's a lot of the reason, the more you study it, it's a really unsatisfying yet satisfying book because it's, it changes. If you look at it as a good teacher of God's word, um, and as somebody who really wants to learn what the Bible says, not what you want the Bible to say. So if you want to exegete rather than eisegete, it does so much to tell you, hey, life is nuts. It's that way because of sin. Yeah. And God is fully in control of it. And you need to do what you know is right, even when you don't know what to do. Do what you know to do. And there's just this interesting and even the fact that Really, the best way to think about it is God is using imperfect people to fill out, to, to take his perfect plan and put it into, into that, that moment, but, or into, sorry, into, to bring it to fruition. But what I think about is the entire book is built of defining moments. And yep. they're not necessarily, most of them are not big moments up until you get to the, the midsection. And, and so I think about that same thing with you. It, it has blown me away. And we look at it, God, God allows sin and allows things to become so bad because he essentially, as we look at even revelation, we look at it playing out. The world is not tearing itself apart for any other reason, but God to is stepping more and more out of these things to allow sin to essentially become so destructive and contradictory that it destroys itself as he comes back to play, to lay his kingdom out. And so I, everything you're saying, you can be Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, you can be across the board. And should we have opinions and biblical reasons why we are one of those things or the other? Yes. However, those are not the things that define me. So on the one side, there's this rioting, angry group of people who break and burn things down and steal things. And then the other side doesn't like them. And then immediately later, there's this other group who break into things and, move mm-hmm. things and take things. And the other group doesn't like them. And it's yeah, this- and they blame each other for it. Well, yeah other party well at the end of the day you're both doing it so and it's just just it's one it should show us the futility of getting caught up in that kind of stuff that's yeah. not our design the and that's what i think is so if, if you get anything out of god's word in the kingdom of god it should be that there is no such thing as a christian nation there is the kingdom yeah. of god. you know and absolutely and i will say one of the things i've encouraged our people here about and uh even on social media yeah is just man, how much credit do we give ourselves that at the end of the day, we're going to stop what's going to happen, what God has ordained to take place or allowed Mm -hmm. to take place. We're going to stop allowing, we're going to stop that from happening. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, God is sovereign. What God has ordained will come to pass. What God has allowed will come to pass. We still have responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that that 
because we have a responsibility in the midst of this cultural climate within the church where we see this apathy, we need to a trust that God is sovereign, but two, we need to have a plan of action for ourselves. And and so with that, I really, you and I were talking and we just kind of came up with a couple things that we wanted to share yeah. uh, both, both personally and spiritually that we really feel like would be of benefit to you as you're leading through a season uh, through pandemic burnout, where, man, you're, you're kind of in a place of so frustrated with what you're seeing around you. Mm-hmm. You know, what do I do next? How do I move forward? What is a plan of action for me? And, you know, even in, in uh, counseling with people, the first thing I tell them to do is to, to reflect on themselves first, right? There's the right. circle, the circle of things that I can control. And with that is to seek counsel from faraway friends. Yeah, you've you've got to have so essentially you've got to have allies in ministry. Yeah. And, and I know this this some of this sometimes in our podcast, it seems like it's shameless, uh, shameless plugs for what we do. But it's genuinely because we do what we believe in. So That's we're right. not trying to tell you. So it is. I mean, John, you and I, I mean, we've been the healthiest friendships I have most of the time are friendships that are not directly involved and in the midst of every issue that I've got. You have to have a more objective or a caring voice that doesn't benefit one way or the other speaking into you. Yeah, that's right. And uh, when people, when people understand your role, but they may not live in your context, I think it's a healthy thing for you. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, we think about that. I mean, one of the things that we can do is, we can learn from people through podcasts. We can learn from people through books. Um, the, typically the people that we're listening to in the same way, they don't understand our context. Yeah. You know, and so in addition to seeking counsel from faraway friends, we can amp up our learning during this yeah. time of burnout to really energize us and uh, give us fresh perspective and new ideas and to learn from other people's failures. Well, and there's, yeah, there's so much about, I think you're, I mean, you hit the nail on the head too, that it's, and this is part of why we even designed Growbox and did so much of this to not only bring in you know, a chance to learn and to grow, but to do it in community, right? There's a really important part of Growbox that there's a kind of an exclusive community of people that are going through the same material and the same struggles and the same, so that we all learn and grow together, right? We have to, that's not just a better together is not a, just a cute phrase to put on a coffee mug or a t-shirt. It is the design of the gospel. And I think every it's, I would just say this, cause I, I'm afraid that if I say too much about political climate or culture, people are going to read what they want to read into it because we live in a culture where we don't want truth. We want people to agree with or people argue, but I'm going to say this, anything. I do think that there is obvious there's deep spiritual warfare because the, here's the enemy's goal and desire is the enemy's goal and desire is to attack the church, the God's church, and it's to bring destruction to God's creation. So whether you know Christ or not, his goal is just to bring death and destruction and despair and and I don't say that lightly, but here's what I say are the things that we are putting the things that are burn us out, because here's the deal. You think about, you know, I think of Star Wars every time where he wants to join the dark side, <laughs> but essentially, you know, your anger and your fear or your or we kind of confuse as righteous indignation. It can fuel you for a while, but it will leave you burnt out very quickly. And I think that that's the climate that we're in. And honestly, I think what the pandemic has helped help do or expediently do, and we'll keep talking about it in a minute, but 
it has expedited the result of the way that we're living. It's in the way that we're doing ministry. And honestly, I've seen it is discouraging to see so many pastors that have fallen or that, uh, you know, we've seen not bring, you know, that we can't respect much anymore. And I think that it's, it's a good signal though, too, that it's time for us to stop just following men and women and saying, Oh, well, if they say it, it must be true and start really believing and leading on our own. I mean, cause we're, yeah. we're achieving other people's pastures. And, and I say all that about the enemy and going forward is that when you look at your ministry and you look at the things that you're preaching and the things that you're doing, I think that you need to ask this question are the political views or points, which I honestly, when it comes to politics, I think we pastors should be very apolitical because yeah. we don't live in that world anymore, but are yeah. the things that I am preaching and teaching, are they bringing unity the way that Christ to do it? Or are they encouraging and inflaming people to be disunified? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's my thought. Well, and I think I tell like my pastor and I, we talk about it often and I've told him like, Hey, remember anytime we mix politics and religion, we get politics, right? There's never a mixture of that that comes out as religion. Well, and it's going to irritate some people when I say this, but remember, remember when the Pharisees tried to do it to Jesus, it was, and, and you can argue with me. I'm happy. You can email me at Ian at G six allies.com. If you don't like this and I'm happy to text you and email you back. But at the end of the day, when the Pharisees came to Jesus trying to catch him in a political trap and they said, well, should we pay taxes to Caesar? What is Jesus's response is so apolitical because he's focused on, he goes, you know what? Render to Caesar what Caesar's and give to God what's God's. And then they're like, Oh, well, I don't know. And for us, if we're not being able to look at the pulpit and say, Hey, I can address these issues that you're dealing with and the things that we've got in culture. I'm going to address those through the lens of the gospel, not through the agendas of other people that claim to be one way or the other. I'm going to let God's word speak into it. And honestly, if we don't know and can't verify how God's word speaks into it, then we need to stop being pressured into it by other preachers or personalities or people. We need to be silent on it until we know what to say. Yeah. People in our congregations, you know, I think, Uh, The frustrating thing right now, part of this whole climate is, you know, we've had people during this whole thing, and I've talked to many other pastors that are the same way, that some people have left our church because we're not doing enough Mm. to combat the pandemic. Right. Some people have left our church because we've done too much (laughs) to combat the pandemic. Some people have just said, we're going to come back when all this is over Mm -hmm. and we're already at a year. And some people have just said, yeah, it's just not that important to me. So I'm not going to come anymore. And I've just seen all of these church leaders who are absolutely 100% exhausted. They don't know what to do. And, you know, I think it's at this point, um, I think it's at this point where you and I were talking and I talked about Matthew chapter nine. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew chapter nine. I think there's three things that I want to point out to us uh, just as we can talk about that. And so here's what God's word says. It says, starting in verse 35 of Matthew nine, it says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every day, every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so there's a couple of things right there, and, and I'll give them to you really in, in uh, reverse order. But 
it's number one is the call of the pastor in the middle of a climate of apathy and of wandering sheep is to proclaim the gospel. It's to just keep being faithful to do our job, yep. to, to lean in, to, to be faithful to do our job. And the second thing in there is to pray for the harvest and to pray for the laborers to come. We know in the middle of pandemic, pandemics expose idols. Yeah. Oh, 100%. No and doubt. so there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of people. I think that we've seen, we've, we've known for years that there are people in our congregations that are lost, that are wandering, that are cultural Christians, and it's manifesting itself like never before. And so what a prime opportunity to reach that crook neck shaft out there and grab them and bring them back and say, yeah. Hey, we're, and we're only going to do that with the Holy Spirit empowering us and enabling us to do so. And so we've got to pray for the harvest because it is plentiful and we need to pray for our laborers that they'll be there with us. And the, the biggest thing is this is it says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And right. I get so incredibly frustrated with uh, students walking out of my Sunday school class because I've said something that has quote unquote triggered them or uh, which happened. I talked to you about that and, yeah. and just different yeah. things that go on. And I have to remember to quit being so frustrated and quit being so aggravated with the apathy and quit being so aggravated with all of these sheep that have wandered into the flocks of these other things. And remember that my call is to have compassion for these people and to be faithful, to preach the gospel to them and to rely on the Holy spirit to go and to reach them and to bring them back. And so I think those are three things that really the word of God really speaks to us and mm. how to navigate a pandemic. No, I think you're, I think it's hundred percent. And I think so, so to what you're saying and, and what is so, I don't know, so difficult. One, one great thing, um, Whitney, Whitney Schaefer, who is Michael's wife, um, is, is incredibly wise, but she's a, she is really a counselor in all, all, um, respects of the word. And so she, I'm not, I'm a pastor. I'm not really a counselor. And so, you know, when, when the kids I do give counsel, but I'm the guy that goes, dear Lord, just fix it. And, and she's one of the people who goes, okay, well, let's work through it. And so right. one thing though, that I've really appreciated is that it, it is, it's incredibly, you know, difficult because we've watched so much, you know, expedite. And I think that, and we're going to talk about why that's important, but it, you know, one of the things that she challenges me to do every week in the last few weeks, because man, I get, I get frustrated and I get not even frustrated, just defeated because you go, man, I wish that I do know that people need breaks and listen, perfect church attendance is not what God's, you know, going to judge you on. And so I understand some weeks there are times when you got to take a break, but there, but it is, it's difficult when you're in a pandemic season and it seems like over half, I mean, not seems like half of your church doesn't come and they might even talk to you, or it seems like it's a good excuse for people not to come and you go, well, then what am I doing all this for? And I get that. And, and I think so many of us may be there and it's, it's focusing on what matters more than simply being focused on what has been and how it's worked in the past. And so, you know, I think that you bring in, it's great. That word compassion, like I, Whitney is always challenging me when I think is so good about it is she says, I need you. Or she goes, if it were me, she goes, I want to think like a pastor and go, why aren't you here? But right. it's, and, and granted, I've learned over the years to not love people with an agenda. So I really do. When I reach out to people, cause they're not there, it's because I care about them and I want to make sure they're okay. And we follow up, but you know, you do have that struggle. And she said, I, I have to make myself 
think not think like a pastor, but think like a believer. Yeah. Think like a person. And I do think everything that you say and everything we're talking about here with Jesus, I love that, you know, verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages and he was teaching in their synagogues and proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And he, he did teach the truth, uh, but I, and, but he also brought action to that. And yeah. that, com- that word compassion, sometimes it's translated pity. Um, but the best way to understand it is not that he, thought, Oh, you're so sad. Let me help you. Cause I feel sorry for you. It is a, I deeply care for you. Right. And I want to serve you. Well, and the call of the pastor is, you know, uh, a buddy of mine used to tell me all the time, he'd say, John, you have to remember you're in a people loving business. Yeah. And if you can't love the people, you got to get out of the business. Well, but, and it, but that's the thing too, right? If people become in the way that ministry has been structured and used for so many years, now so many decades, people are a problem to be dealt with, right? They're not, right. they're not people to be loved. And that's where I think we struggle. We get so burned out. And, and I do too, man, we all do. We get so burned out because we set the metrics that we're living by and we don't live by gospel metrics. Right. And so we don't measure things the way that Jesus would measure it. And, you know, and, and here's the, is there's a healthy way to view and understand numbers. There is a healthy way to view and understand growth, but you're also, we are parishioners and pastors and protectors of a God who only took on 12 guys and one of them betrayed him and then murdered. So Jesus wasn't Jesus and, and God will bring the growth. Right. I think what's interesting here is that chance he's, saying, hey, the harvest is plentiful. But the problem is that we don't have workers to raise up and 12 workers get 12 more workers and get 12 more. And so I think that if we if we were really serious about it, and I think that we are, but if we are serious and we do want to see God work, we've got to evaluate a couple of things. And so here's there's a few things, not just our calling, right? We have to preach truth, first of all. And I do think I want to reiterate, you don't have to have an opinion or force an opinion on everything. Sometimes it's really powerful to tell your church that you just need to pray over something and that everybody needs to be praying for it because you know what? You're having to really come to terms with it too. There's no shame in that. And if your people say there's some shame in that, then they probably need to go uh, to church online somewhere <laughs> because they, they don't, they want to, they want a low accountability, not serious kind of church or yeah. That's a great opportunity for you to shepherd them through what it means to follow Jesus. So I don't want to, I don't want to box people in. Uh, but yeah, you, we got to proclaim truth, but gracious truth and truth that's clear. And so here's, here's just a couple encouragements that I, I think that we can give to pastors today. Okay. Um, if you're, you are, I, I know you're feeling burned out and you're feeling tired, or if you're not, your staff is, if you have a larger church or whatever it may be. And there's just a few things that stick out to us, things that have been successful for us during this time, but also just things that are successful in general. What I would, what I would pose that we do is use this period of time to strip down everything that has not been working and never bring it back and be able to say, I don't want to do this with a pandemic or without a pandemic, or if it didn't work in the pandemic, it doesn't need to, because the pandemic is my dad used to, you'll, if you're listening to this, you'll appreciate this if you're a farm person, but my dad grew up on a farm and he used to look at me and, and I was like, I was like nine. I didn't get this, John, but he looked at me and said, Ian, cause I'd say, dad, I, I, I don't worry. I can, I was a big kid. I was, I was, as, I was as big in ninth grade as I am now. And I just stopped growing in ninth grade. And so I was a really big old kid. And since, you know, fifth or sixth grade, I was helping him move stuff at his business and I was wearing myself out. And dad said, Ian, 
he said there were two bulls. And I never grew up on a farm, so I don't even know what he's talking about. But he said there were two bulls. He said there was no bull and a young bull. And they were standing at a fence. He said, and the young bull said, hey, how about we jump this fence and go breed some of them heifers? And he said, and, and I'm like, okay. And so he said, but the old bull looked at him and said, how about we walk down 30 feet and go through the gate and then breed them all? And, and he said, I went, oh, good. Okay. And so I don't know if that was an appropriate story, but it, it was always ended with work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we can get away with it. It's a, it's like having a progressed form of cancer and that immediately eats us away or having it slowly over time that jump in the fence constantly to get our, our ministry done. Maybe we can sustain that when things aren't where they're at now, but what it, what this pandemic has shown us is that it immediately wears us out yeah. and it eats us away faster. And so I would rather look at that lesson and go, Hey, I don't want to be eaten away. I don't want this cancer to eat me away. So I'm just going to choose not to do that and start using the gate. And I can do more of what I need to get done and what God's called me to. And so the first one I'd say is this uh, Galatians six, nine and 10 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest. If we do not give up, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I, and I started to think about this idea that if in this moment, if we're ready to kind of, if we're in burnout, if we feel tired and it's more than just sleeping, you know, a little bit more or more than whatever, if we look at our church and just feel overwhelmed, here's the thing. We need to stop sowing empty seeds and focus on what's most important. And I think about most of what the church does, like fast food. It is, I, you know, I'm always struggling with my weight, trying to lose weight, trying to not gain weight, and I'm always failing. But it's because I ha we all have a struggle in our culture, especially to eat empty calories. And I didn't even know what that meant until a couple of years ago. And it was like, well, you can, you can drink a Coke that's 150 calories and it'll immediately get stored as fat and go through your liver and it's not healthy for you. Or you can eat 150 calories of almonds, which will actually produce fiber and help push things through your body and help deal with toxins. And I was like, and, and not that I'm a dietitian, but, but, he, but it made a lot of sense to me as I started becoming a, a self-proclaimed nutritionist through Netflix, which is what we all apparently do. Um, but in my, in my meteoric rise to being a, a Netflix expert, um, but it, it kind of becomes clear to me that in the church, we focus so much on creating consumers and create mm. people that come to be entertained and doing things that are empty calories. Now it keeps butts in seats and it keeps people going, well, I guess I'll go back to that. At the end of the day, uh, we've realized during this pandemic that, man, when people aren't entertained anymore, when people are and for us, if we are just entertainers and not personal shepherds to people and loving people, they just scatter. And I think that a lot yeah. of Billy Graham was probably right when he said that 70 percent of people sitting in church pews don't know Christ. And I think that we've built a culture of that. It's not a culture of get me more because it's called to be a culture of. I need to grow and be deeper. And so yeah. when you look you know, at, Oh, go ahead. You know, what's, uh, what's funny to me that you said that, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks when you said that is that every pastor, going. every, well, I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding. It was goal, not goal achieved. No, I've been every, to talk to you. Every pastor I've spoken to, if you ask them, what is the percentage of people in your church that are attending right now? 30%, 30%. 
Yeah, <laughs> I don't, you know, and I don't want to like some people, granted, if you're listening to this and, and you're an autoimmune person or you really can't, and it's a health, nobody's calling you out, but I know that 70 and 70% of people, I'm just saying these are, when we look at our churches and we see that everybody disconnects or that people, the things that they need from our church are not the things that we spend 90% of our time on. That should be a really great red flag and indicator to us to go, Hey, I don't have to waste 90% of my time. Now it's, I think, I think if pastors are smart, this is going to realize we're going to realize that we've been treating being a pastor, like being an event coordinator more yeah. than being a pastor for a long time. And that's going to be uncomfortable, but you yeah. should embrace that. That's right. And I think what it boils down to is, is sometimes what we deal with is the easy metrics and yeah. we don't even, we don't even identify the hard stuff because it's, it's no. hard. It's hard to measure. And it's hard. And it's to, messy. And it's it messy. Is. It is. And we can't really like right now in the, in the climate we're in, the reality is we cannot afford to find validation in the easy metrics that we've had for so right. long because I deal with leaders Empty right calories. now. Yeah. I deal right, with leaders know. every single week that say, well, we don't have enough people here. We don't have enough people here. And there's just no kids coming. And I'm like, look, it's not that there's no kids coming. It's that their families are either a, they're not attending right now. And so yeah. they're not going to prioritize what their parents are marginalizing right. or, or they're going to service for one hour with their family and, and leaving and going home because their parents are not engaged in a community of small group community. Yeah. Or they're dropping their kids off here and staying in service and they're not prioritizing family worship. And then they're picking their kids up after Sunday school and leaving, or they're just not coming. And so there's just all of those different things that are kind of adding up to what does that boil down to? Why do I feel the way I feel as a leader? Why do I feel angry about this? Why do I feel dejected about this? Well, at the end of the day, it's because I'm finding my validation in the easy thing. Well, the easy yeah. thing is I've got 20 kids in my class every week, or I've got mm -hmm. 50 kids here every week or whatever. Instead of saying, man, um, Tommy prayed out loud for the first time this week. Yeah. Yeah. Susie read out of her Bible for the first time this week. Mm -hmm. Man, that kid answered a question that showed incredible spiritual maturity, or there's an opportunity for ministry with that student or, or whatever it might be. We need to get down to the, to the hard stuff of ministry and say, the things that we gloss over every week are wins for us and can energize us and give us doors to walk through for ministry. And you know what's so sad about this too, is that, and I think it's good, to, good and not, but we have built an entire church culture on, like you said, easy wins and oh, on yeah. empty calories. And that, and that's why what, what we're look, what you're saying and, and what is a victory and what is a win is, you know, they read out loud for the first time, they ask questions, they set and discussed for the first, those are things that we have, we've glossed over for so long. And I want to ask mm -hmm. the question, what is, what the heck is, has been our ministry mode? Right. And I'm not saying that I had it figured out and everybody didn't, but I will say that that I do remember that the majority of fights that I've had in ministry and in churches with most people, most pastors has been focusing on what really matters versus stroking their ego or keeping their system going or doing their thing rather than leading. And and that's what I think that this this pandemic might 
I mean, there's never anything that God's doing that he is not working through and that he's not giving us an opportunity. The, the thing that scares me is not that God doesn't speak, but that I'm not hearing him. And yeah. I think that for us, that's such a great place for us to be, man, is like, let's let's start saying, OK, when, I'm not going to let myself be pressured into doing things that are less important. So when everybody comes to me and goes, why aren't we doing the annual hymn sing dinner potluck at, at every Thursday night at church that you spend four hours preparing? Maybe you can go, you know what? Because you have food at your house and <laughs> we can start, maybe we could do a Bible study or maybe we can rest on Thursdays and then be more focused. To go on, I mean, stop. You don't have to let people, pressure you into doing programs and ministries. And, and here's the thing you will, you can die an unsatisfied death and have an unsatisfied ministry career doing good things. Oh or yeah. You can have a good one doing great things. You know, what's crazy to me, what aggravates the stew out of me is when people will call me or come by my office and they're like, John, I have a great idea for ministry. I have a great idea for ministry and I need 20 students to make this happen. Or I need somebody else to take this on. Or I really think that it would be a great thing if you would go visit someone in the hospital. And it's like, huh, did God put that on my heart? No, he put it on yours. Why don't you go, why don't you go do that? You well, know, because all good ideas devolve into work. And you want to know what nobody wants to do? Work. Work. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but I do. Okay. So I said this a couple of weeks ago and, and I'll say it again. It, but that's the thing because we hit, we live in a culture of trying to make ourselves, um, trying to make ourselves and our ideas what is center and it's, it's leadership masturbation. You have, and listen, we got people and a lot of times it's insecurity. I have to make myself feel better and feel like I, like I'm valuable because I'm putting my value in the wrong thing. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and give you 85 ideas that make me feel like I'm doing something and, but they don't really do anything but annoy, not even annoy, just stress out and irritate the people that actually would have to do them. And, and honestly, it does cause a little bit of despair in your pastors. It's one thing to have initiative and say, like you said, hey, I really feel called to go do this. Can I can I take these students and go do it versus, hey, you really need to do this. I right. like that's what we hear. And it's that's not beneficial. That's not even biblical or godly. In fact, my and my statement was always when people do the same thing was, OK, when you're when you're doing the ministry that we've set out to do as a church, I'm all for whatever you feel like doing. But until you show me you can do that, I think about remember the Titans when uh, when Petey comes back and he goes, Coach, I'm ready to play for the championship. And he says, Petey, if you can support me on the bench, you can support me in the championship because you left your team last time. Yeah. And I just that's what that's how I and I've said that Look, I teach out of movie quotes. Hoosiers has changed my ministry. And so but all this to say, you know, all of that to say is we do. I think you're 100 percent right. We need to don't let people pressure you into doing the things that are empty calories and aren't doing it. So I would I just ask yourself this question. When I look at my week and my effort, my week to week and my effort, what benefits me and my people spiritually rather than entertaining them temporarily? Hmm. And, my, and, and, and start doing the pick two or three of the best things to do. I talked to the pastor the other day who just took over a, a church and it's a, it's a little bit, it's a smaller church, but it's still a good size. And he's having to completely reorient and change that ministry focus. 
and he kind of, thankfully he kind of has a pandemic to lean on for it to some degree, but he's having to have those. And those aren't even, those aren't hard conversations with people. They're just loving moments to say, Hey, I love that. I think that that's a good idea. And I wish that we could do that, but we really need to focus, um, focus on what's most important. Uh, but the other thing too, um, or John, you jump in, what's one that you've got. You know, man, I think the biggest thing we can do right now is to spend ourselves on personal contact and outreach rather than focusing on programs and events. That's good. I think, you know, Bob Goff, I heard this uh, a few years, years ago, but like right when he was getting real well known for writing Love Does. And I I mean, I love Bob Goff. Uh, I'm going to call his number one time in the back of his book because I'm really interested to I see if, if he answer. does answer. He does. Apparently he has stories about how he answers people's calls, but how does that dude even have a life? But it's fine. I'd love Bob Goff, but he said he did. He was speaking once at a, at a university at one of their chapels and a friend of mine was talking about it because it really caught him off guard. And he said, you know, uh, Bob Goff said a lot of people look for the next thing to start. He said, but I look at the, the next thing I need to quit. And I thought that's, I said, that's weird. What is it? What do you mean? He goes, well, he said, like, just this week, I decided I need to quit being on the board of this organization because I'm not present. It's not something that I have the time to do. It's not even something I'm passionate about. It's something that I was doing as a favor for a while. And he said, I needed to quit that. And so, you know, when looking at outreach, I mean, here's here's I talked to you. The the pandemic has, like we said, has pushed all it's shown us what the outcome of our current actions are. I think mm-hmm. 20 or 30 years before that that happened. Mm-hmm. And so look at it and say, mo- most of us are spinning plates thinking that if we just get people to be in proximity with each other, that they'll be present. And I think we're realizing that being present is not, it doesn't happen because of that. And so how many of us are making, spending our time, personal contact. I think that if you, and you say, well, Ian, that's not how my church is structured. Well, Hey, good news, restructure it. Okay. If you need to restructure um, the ministry you lead, then do it. But you should be 80 to 90% personally contacting and shepherding people and spending all the other time you have prepping to, 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 uh, teach God's word, because at the end of the day, and I don't mean you have to do just lunches with people. I'm saying that if you're not physically and personally making, if you're not writing cards, if you're not going to see kids at school, if you can, or if you're not trying to call and connect to people or text. I mean, one thing I got really convicted of a few weeks ago was I have all these people I've known for years. And the last time I texted them was 10 years ago. And so I've just started with no agenda, just going, Hey, I just want you to know, I'm thinking about you. I follow you on social media, but that's not really following you. And so I just want you to know, I love you and I care about you or people in our church. We've seen so much success with just putting together gift bags and sending them out and taking them and dropping off at houses during COVID or doing, you know, when somebody gets quarantined, we just build them a cheap and small pack with some of their favorite stuff in it that we know of. I mean, if you, if you really want to see change in your church and you want to see change after the pandemic, mobilize your people to be personal people, mobilize Mm -hmm. them to build relationships, not to build programs, because that is going to be programs have been, are being and will be the downfall of everything we spend our lives doing. And I think we'll be very disappointed when we stand before God one day, when he says, you know, you had a huge upward program, but you didn't really reach anybody for me or 
you could have reached all. And I don't think God's going to disappoint us in heaven or whatever, but I think that, I think it's going to be maybe a realization. I don't think God's going to be like, you're coming into heaven. It's going to be great, but you suck. That's yeah. what I mean. But I think, I think that, it might tell us. I mean, I think he's definitely going to tell us like, right. you know, I think you, do you see where you missed it here. Yeah. These are like, great things, yeah. but you could have done. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I'm not claiming, but, but I really do. At the end of the day, the world does not need more programs. I mean, that's no. how I think about it. We are fighting. We seem. And in fact, this is a great segue into explaining what we're doing next week. But the church spends so much time competing with the world for worldly type things, worldly programs and trying to do mm-hmm. our own thing. That's not our calling. And then that's what I think burns us out. Pandemic. The thing about a pandemic is I don't think it burns us out because it's the pandemic. It's because when that added stress is put on it, we, we just can't sustain what we're doing. Yep. It just it, we're delaying the inevitable now. And so um, one thing, you know, obviously, yes, we got to preach the gospel. We need to mobilize people to go into the harvest, not just to expect the harvest to come to them or to sit around and just pray for the harvest. Okay. Prayer is key and essential, but prayer that doesn't lead to action is meaningless. And, uh, I think personal, you know, obviously we got to build personal relationships. We need to be rethinking, man, take this opportunity with your board or your elders or your deacon, or if it's just you, just you and rethink everything you're doing. And say, this is a, I think that this is, remember when we used to play Super Nintendo and you could just hit the reset button? Mm-hmm. I think that this is our divine Super Nintendo reset button where we can, we can hit it and say, you know what, God, I just want it to be about you. Genuinely you, not over spiritual, not, I hate when people are over spiritual, but I, I also, maybe I can end it with this, John, because I know we're, we're about at time and we've been long for a while, but here's what I want to ask and say please pastor one i wish that you would know that we're here for you and that you would email us that you'd call us john is part of our network you can connect and call john talk with john talk with me uh with michael with any of us um but i would encourage you deeply to celebrate the victories no matter how small they are and no matter how smart they small they feel um what you celebrate you replicate 100 percent. and you know at the end of the day your people need to see you celebrating and you don't need to fake it you need to just be looking for it's so easy to i think we celebrate empty carbs we don't celebrate good nutrition and that's why we have gluttonous people spiritually in our churches that just go to the next buffet and we need people that build on and so um let's have a disciplined focus to do that and then uh the next just be objective when you evaluate what you might consider failures or things that don't pan out. Okay. Don't, don't take responsibility for your failures and just learn when something's not working in your church. It doesn't mean you suck. It just means something's not working and you can fix it. Okay. Failures are events. They're not people. Um, John and I said it last week, we quoted, uh, quoted several pastors who probably stole it from somebody else that uh, you know, what you take responsibility for, if you take responsibility for the victories, you will for the losses too. So do that and, and be objective in that. I think that if there's anything we can learn from all of this, um, f- Hebrews is hundred percent true. We have not been to the point of blood <laughs> in our trial and our resisting it is not as bad as it has been before. I don't know if it's ever going to be worse or better, but here's what I do know. I know that God is in control of his kingdom. 
I know that if he promises that he's working through things, that this is the perfect opportunity to reevaluate and focus on what matters. You know it. Don't even don't lie. You know, as much as I do week to week before all this pandemic, you always would go, you know, I really should do this, but I don't have the time. Hmm. Now's the time to make that chance that change yep. and to focus on it. So John, um, Next week, John, you won't be with us. Michael will be back. Um, but we're really excited because we're kicking off a series about sports. Um, that is sports in American culture, at least. I don't know about everywhere else, but sports is the biggest competitor of church across the board. We have people that go on travel ball teams. We have people that watch the Super Bowl instead of come to church on Sundays. Or we have people that want to watch the Falcons play if you're in John's world and watch Atlanta play or whatever it may be. People travel back and forth. We used to know when I lived in Tuscaloosa, if we'd have a low attendance day based on if Alabama won or lost, we had a lot of high attendance days, but all that to say, um, I'm not an Alabama fan either, but all that to say we had sports seems to rule what we do. So we're going to spend several weeks or several episodes talking about how you and I, as a pastor, as a church leader, as a believer, how we actually need to view and use sports rather than be used by and competed with. So listen, we love you guys. We're excited. Um, John, any last words before we're out? Thank you for the last four weeks. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for thinking of me, Michael. Uh, hopefully next time I'm on here, we get to spend some time together. That's right. And uh, I think the thing to remember, guys and, and ladies, is that a healthy ministry is only as healthy as your relationship with the Lord. And so mm-hmm. don't forget, don't forget that you cannot do the ministry of the Lord without a relationship with the Lord. And so focus in on that. Let him be the one that gives you energy. And uh, again, to just reiterate what Ian said, if anybody needs to reach out to somebody, I am a part of that. The G6 Allies Network would love to connect with you. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but until the next time I get to speak to you, Ian, I hope that your coffee stays hot. Well, I hope that your ministry stays healthy, my friend. Thank you, brother. Uh, it's going to be good. Listen, growbox.g6allies.com and anywhere on any social media, you can find John Oliver because he's there. So follow John and jump on board of the G6 Allies. All that information is right after this. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast today. We hope that you found it not only encouraging, but beneficial that you have people in your corner doing ministry. Here's what we'd love for you to do. If you'd subscribe, review, and share our podcast, that would mean the world to us, and it'd help as many pastors to hear and be encouraged just like you were. G6 is also supported by partners and allies like you who are willing to financially give and be a part of this ministry with us. So if you feel like you'd like to be a part of this with us, just go to g6allies.com slash partner. And we'd love for you to become our ally in our mission to serve pastors and their families. If you have questions, comments, or just want to talk more with us about your particular ministry needs, just email us at hello at g6allies.com. We can't wait to see you next time for our next episode.